Today is the first Sunday after the Epiphany, and the Gospel bringing a point for this day is from Luke, the second chapter, beginning with the 41st verse. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. When he was twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey, and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. We were reminded once again this past Thursday as we observe that high and holy day of Epiphany, that this is a season of manifestation. Epiphany is a time when the Church thinks upon the revelation of the divine nature, which is one person with the human nature in the Christ, who was born in Bethlehem. There is a reason why Epiphany was once one of the feast days of the Christian calendar, for that holy day combines the observance of the manifestation of the wise men who worship the Christ child, the Epiphany on the day of Jesus' baptism, when the voice of the Father was heard from heaven, and the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove, and the revelation which Christ Jesus, when Christ Jesus changed water into wine. That last miracle has its own Sunday as well, when Jesus first revealed his divine nature to those who attended the wedding feast. But today, our thoughts are turned to behold the Christ in the temple at the age of twelve, already focused on the fulfillment of the Father's will for our salvation. Our Redeemer manifests the clarity of purpose which should be manifest in those who are joined to him. Thus the prayer of the Church and the Collect, that the Lord would grant that we may both perceive and know the things which we ought to do, and also may have grace and power faithfully to fulfill the same. Thus the Church prays. But how slow we are to live, as St. Paul exhorts us in Romans, the twelfth chapter. For there he writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Jesus fulfills the will of his Father, accomplishing the redemption of rebellious man. Today's gospel provides us our one glimpse of the Christ in his youth. Jesus was only 12 years old, and we learn of the piety of the home of the Holy Family. For we read, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. They were, in other words, not lax in their observance, but faithfully observed the Passover, traveling from Nazareth in the company of those of their relatives and acquaintances who made the journey together. The faith then, as now, was not a solitary observance. The saints were then, and are now, banded together in the walk of faith, 
And in this company of brethren on the road to and from Jerusalem, we behold the church in this world. Now the world around us would divide time into sacred and secular usages. But we who are Christians live out our faith day by day. Part of that observance is that we gather with our brethren and attend to receiving the gifts which the Holy Trinity bestows upon his people. Thus we hear the absolution. Our children and those adults who are converted receive holy baptism for the remission of their sins. And we of Christ's flock take and eat, take and drink, the body and blood of the spotless Lamb of God. We are not restrained to one journey to Jerusalem a year to eat the Passover. Behold the Lamb of God who feeds his flock with his own body and blood upon the Lord's day, that we would be sustained when we walk the roads to our Nazareth's in the midst of this fallen world. The very size of the company, it would seem, caused Joseph and Mary to not realize Jesus had remained behind in Jerusalem. Clearly he had not done this before. Having sought Jesus among the company, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him and found him on the third day. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished as understanding and answers. Jesus was at that time not yet legally an adult. Those who were in the temple were understandably astonished that one who had not long been tutored in the rabbinical schools could so answer and ask questions. How could this be? And how could this have continued for three days? Thus we perceive that Jesus knew all things. There was not a time when his knowledge of his divinity was lacking. This calls to mind something I remember from years ago when I heard a pastor of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, speculating about when Jesus purportedly realized he was God. You see, Scripture allows for no basis for such absurd speculations. Instead, the very first time we hear Jesus speak is in the full knowledge and confidence of his divine identity, and he is aware of the reason for his incarnation. For he declares, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Joseph and Mary had heard the words of the angels concerning the person and work of Jesus. They had heard the testimony of the shepherds, of the wise men, of Simeon and Anna in the temple. And yet when Jesus spoke to them, we read, But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Jesus had always known what Joseph and Mary had forgotten, that Joseph was not Jesus' father, and that he had that which he, Jesus, was to fulfill in keeping with the Father's will. That which was in keeping with the Father's will is also demonstrated in what Jesus did after he spoke these words. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. Consider what Jesus does by this action. He is infinitely wise and is the one who sustains all of heaven and earth by the power of his word. But Jesus was subject to Joseph and Mary, as those who fulfilled the earthly office of father and mother toward him, so that he was subject to them. As the whole company of family and acquaintances were bound together in their journey, so Jesus respected his place within the order of the household, and though he is king over all, he was subject to Joseph and to Mary. St. Paul instructs the church, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. But the sinful rebellion and pride of humanity is such that each individual idolizes his or her own things, and was imagined to be one's best interest. Far from thinking soberly about such things, any perceived slight against your pride drives your reaction. Not thinking as one member among many, given a particular function, but as if you would think yourself the, the whole reason for the body's existence, a voice that must be heard, a head that must be obeyed. The Holy Apostle speaks the word of God. Thus all Christians are instructed to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Mind you, not exceptional, but rather reasonable. And this is the reason for the collect prayed this day. For the self-willed, self-centered heart, born of the old Adam, drives a horrible rebellion against Jesus, the head of the church, and against fathers in blood, fathers in office, and spiritual fathers. We may thus read Dr. Luther's words from the large catechism. For there he declares, We must therefore impress it upon the young, that they should regard their parents in God's stead, and remember that however lowly, poor, frail, and strange they may be, nevertheless they are father and mother given them by God, and they are not to be deprived of their honor because of their mode of life or their failings. The problem, then, and now, is the assertion of self over sacrifice. If Christians present their bodies as a as living sacrifices, that means they no longer consider their lives to be their own. But the idolatry of self-will and resentment toward authority do not depart easily. Thus the Christ was born to sacrifice himself in conformity with the Father's loving will to deliver delusional, selfish man from death. Jesus fulfills the will of his Father, accomplishing the redemption of rebellious man. What glorious words of gospel, then, our Lord spoke to Joseph and Mary. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? All were amazed at Jesus' questions and answers, just as they would later be amazed at his works and doctrine. We read in Mark chapter 1 that after he cast out the unclean spirit in a man at the synagogue in Capernaum, then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Jesus is the Son of God, Lord of heaven and earth, and yet he is subject, and he fulfills all righteousness, accomplishing our redemption. On all this, in his time of humiliation, he rendered perfect obedience to the Father and made full atonement for the sins of rebellious mankind. For each and every one of us, the perfectly obedient Son died upon the cross, so that we, having been baptized into him, receive the adoption of sons. Confronted by our sin, our calling is to repent of our iniquity, our rebellion. But our repentance is not enough. We need the grace of God to be forgiven, and that grace is ours because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. We are not forgiven because being sorry enough means you deserve forgiveness. Instead, we are forgiven because God loved us and sent his only begotten Son to die for us, for our redemption, 
so that through faith in him we will receive the forgiveness of sins. The revelation, the manifestation, this first Sunday after Epiphany, is seen in Jesus' words and his obedience to his heavenly Father, and to Joseph and Mary. He fulfills the Father's will perfectly, including the fourth commandment, proclaiming that he knows who he is and why he has come. By the grace of God, we have received the adoption which is now ours, and have this living hope in Christ Jesus, our Redeemer. And being now alive in Christ, a beginning is made of living for one another. Our love is but the palest reflection of the love which God has already bestowed upon us. For the Lord came to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He has set us free from the bonds of sin, he has loosed us from Satan's chains, and as the good Samaritan bound the wounds of the man left for dead, our Redeemer heals our mortal injury. He heals us through his word. He heals us through his sacrament. And as we now joined to Christ, walk the roads to the Nazareths of this world, we know that Christ is with us, and he will come again in great glory. And when he returns, the heavenly Jerusalem will stand upon the earth, and we will never be parted from the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, we beseech thee mercifully to receive the prayers of thy people who call upon thee, and grant that they may both perceive and know what things they ought to do, and also may have grace and power faithfully to fulfill the same. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to visit them today for the 10 a.m. worship service. Sunday school falls immediately after the divine service. We also have a midweek service on Wednesdays with the Matins at 11 a.m. We invite you to join us then as well. Salem was located uh, north of Malone, off of FM 308. For more information on Salem Lutheran Church, you may visit us on the internet at www.salemlutheranchurch.net. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.